Hello, church. Uh, this past week, our staff agreed to take even greater measures to lock down and to stay isolated and distant. So from my house to yours, welcome to Church Online. Greetings. Um, you know, with this lockdown, even before being forced to watch The Tiger King on Netflix, I, I've always enjoyed a riveting documentary. Um, one that I really enjoyed and have been fascinated by is the one that talks about this party, the greatest party that never happened. It's also known as the Fire Festival. If you haven't heard about the Fire Festival, it's this huge party advertised by this young 25-year-old millennial businessman named Billy McFarlane. And somehow Billy was able to convince thousands and thousands of young people to pay big money, some of them shelling out up to $50,000 to be part of this luxurious highly exclusive, high-end festival on this private island in the Bahamas. World-famous socialites and Instagram influencers and supermodels would be paid up to $250,000 just to post one advertisement on their social media outlets. And so people wanted to be part of this. But when festival goers went and arrived and showed up on the island, it was an utter disappointment. Instead of the gourmet seafood and the Bahamian-style sushi catered by the famous Steven Starr, they got this. Instead of a luxurious cabana or this five-star villa, they got this. And instead of a star-studded concert lined up with some of the best musicians in the world, a lot of the artists backed out when they realized how poorly organized this event was. So all in all, 25-year-old Billy McFarlane had scammed $26 million from investors for a party that never really happened. Not that he intended it not to happen, it was just poorly organized, and he wasn't able to meet the ex expectations that he set. People were sold on this illusion of what they were going to get, only to be disappointed with what they really got. So some people felt conned, people felt deeply resentful, and people, frankly, wanted to get back at Billy. Several people sued him, sending him to prison. I want to ask you, church, how, how do you react when you feel let down, when you feel disappointed, when your expectations go unmet? Now, for followers of Christ, I'm wondering, does it cause you to turn away from God or does it cause you to draw toward God? When festival goers gave their money to Billy McFarland, they trusted that he would make things happen for them. And in a similar way, when we give our lives to Christ, we trust that he's going to make things happen for us. But when disappointment happens, sometimes we begin to question God. Is God for real or is God a con? I want to take you to the scriptures today, and I want to show you the story of how multitudes of people flock to Jesus with great expectations, only to be utterly disappointed and disillusioned. This weekend, Christians all over the world were celebrating Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is known to be the first day of Passion Week. It was that week leading Christ to the cross and ultimately to Easter, the day he broke forth from the grave. But on that very first Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago, Jesus famously rode into Jerusalem. And as he rode into Jerusalem, a great crowd, eager and expectant, came to meet him on the road. 
And I want to show you that story, and I want to show you just how Jesus measured up to those expectations. So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 12? We're going to read a story from John chapter 12. And before we do, I'd love to ask you to join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray. And Father God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We thank you for this Palm Sunday that we celebrate this weekend. And we ask that, Lord, you would make the words of your scriptures come alive. God, we know this was an event that took place 2,000 years ago. But here in 2020, we pray that you would show us that your word is alive, it is active, it's relevant, and it's deeply meaningful. So God, would you speak to us now? We want to give you our hearts, we want to give you our minds, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me set the story up for you. It's Sunday morning, March 29th, AD 33. Crowds of Jews are flocking from all over the land to journey and make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And every year, there's this annual celebration. We, we call it the Passover. And the Passover was this big celebration where Jews are commemorating and they're celebrating that time in their past when God rescued them out of Egypt, right? When God took this bitter time in Israel's history when they were enslaved under the Egyptian rule and brought them into the wilderness, ultimately into the promised land. And as they were gathering to celebrate this great deliverance on this particular year, many were looking to the day when God would do it again, when God would save them now from the current situation under the rule of the Romans. And perhaps that particular Sunday was the day See, because all the signs were pointing to this, this one guy, Jesus. All the miracles and all the news that was being spread and all the testimonies was all pointing to this guy, Jesus. I mean, Jesus had just delivered a dead guy from the grave, a guy named Lazarus. One chapter earlier in John chapter 11, he had delivered him from the dead. And so for a lot of Jews, they must have been thinking, could this be the guy who's going to deliver us from the Romans? Could this be the Messiah, the king that was promised to us? And so no wonder why all these Jews came out to meet him on the road as they heard that Jesus was about to enter into Jerusalem that Sunday. And so here's where the story begins. John chapter 12, verse 12 tells us this. It says, The next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And so here we, we have this story, and everything in the story is telling us that these Jews clearly expected Jesus to be the Messiah, to be the king who would come to deliver the Jews from the Roman government. For example, we, we see them waving palm branches. They had palm branches that they would wave in the air. And these palm branches weren't just random objects that they found on the ground. This was highly symbolic. Why? Because the last time the Jews were known to wave palm branches was about 150 years earlier when the temple of Jerusalem was taken over by the Greeks during the Seleucid Empire. 
And when they were able to reclaim their temple back, when they rededicated that temple, they took palm branches, history tells us, and they would wave it in the air and they would sing in nationalistic pride, proclaiming their victory and deliverance from the Greeks. So this time, as they're waving palm branches, as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, as they're being reminded of the time that they were delivered from the Greeks, this is them saying, we have victory because we are about to be delivered from the Romans. Our king has arrived. And as they're waving these palm branches in the air with the, the, the symbolic palm branch, verse 13 tells us that they were also crying out, Hosanna! Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Now, Hosanna in the Hebrew means literally save us now. Save us now. And that line actually that they're crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is actually a line taken from Psalm chapter 118. Psalm chapter 118 is one of the most famous messianic prophecies in Jewish scripture. In other words, it's a scripture that prophesies the coming Messiah, a, a coming king who's going to deliver the people. Psalm 118, verse 25, 26 reads this. It says, save us, Hosanna. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so what the Jews are doing as they are quoting Psalm 118 they're attributing this messianic prophecy to Jesus. They're pretty much saying Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy. He is the Messiah. He is the king who has come to save us, just like the scriptures promise. So we have this huge rally, right? Crowds going wild, waving palm branches in the air, shouting Hosanna to the king. And here he comes, this, this mighty Savior King, this, this promised Messiah, and he enters into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, on this donkey. I don't know about you, but I'd be expecting this triumphant like entry. Like I'm, I'm expecting this King coming on this mighty, mighty stallion, this, this horse with big old horse thighs and, and, and veins popping out and a beautiful long mane. That's what a conquering king looks like, right? But Jesus doesn't come on this powerful war horse. Strangely, he comes in this humble donkey. And not just a donkey. Verse 14 tells us this is a donkey's cult, meaning this is a baby donkey. This is Donkey Jr. And here he is, this, this king, this promised Messiah who's supposed to free them from the rule of the Romans. He's just trotting along on his little baby donkey. And you would think that a lot of Jews are scratching their head, wondering what is going on here? This doesn't look right. Now, in fact, I, I believe for a lot of Jews, no, this sealed the deal. This sealed the deal. Because sometimes the more odd it is, the more God it is. Right? Because in their scriptures, God had prophesied through the prophet Zechariah. He said, in Zechariah 9, 9, which he quotes in verse 15, John quotes in verse 15, it says, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, you know that your king is coming, seated on a donkey, a colt. 
And so here it is. This is the fulfillment of scripture. Like God said, this is going to be a different scene. Your Messiah is going to come on a donkey. And so when they see Jesus riding in on that colt, they knew in their hearts, this is it. This is the one. And so they cheered and cheered and cheered on their king as he triumphantly rode into Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday. But how quickly do those cheers from the crowd on that Sunday turn to jeers from that crowd by Friday? See, those shouts of save us, save us, turn to shouts of crucify him, crucify him by Friday. Why? Because he disappointed them. He didn't meet their expectations of the king who was supposed to fulfill their needs. See, Jesus failed to overthrow the Roman government like they wanted him to. Jesus wasn't able to give them their kingdom that they desired. Jesus didn't give them the glory and restore to them the glory that they once had. And so with deep disappointment and deep resentment, they cursed him and they crucified him for he wasn't the king that they were expecting. It's tragedy. See, but here's the thing. The irony of this is the Jews were right. That Sunday morning, they were right. Jesus is the king. It's just that he didn't come to give them their kingdom. He came to establish his kingdom. He didn't want to save them from the Romans. He wanted to save them from their sin. He didn't come to be their earthly king. He came to be their eternal king. See, Jesus didn't come to, to meet their expectations. Jesus came to far exceed their expectations. And yet they missed it. And so the Jews praised him on Sunday, and then they cursed him by Friday. You know, friends, life is full of disappointments. My question is, when disappointments happen, how do you respond? Maybe you've been experiencing some deep disappointments or failed expectations lately. Maybe in this season, you've never been so disappointed. How do you respond? I was talking to a friend who runs his own business, and he was saying that earlier this year, just about a month or two ago, in January and February, he, he saw the business prospects that he had lined up, and, and he remembered thinking to himself, this is going to be the year. Like, this is lined up to be our most profitable year yet. And just like that, in a matter of a month or two with this coronavirus crisis, projects are canceled, clients are backing out, and now he's praying and asking for wisdom about the future of his business and potential career changes. If that happened to you, how would you react? I have a friend who posted his feelings online. He's a nurse, and here's what he writes on Facebook. He says, while a good portion of our society complains about being locked up and bored because there's nothing good on Netflix or is fighting over the last bag of rice or roll of toilet paper at Walmart, healthcare professionals and hospital workers everywhere are starting their days off anxious because they know they are heading to one of the places that no one wants to go to right now. The place where they know the invisible enemy is sure to be hiding. I am personally frustrated because right now as I write, I am isolating myself in my bedroom as a precaution because I don't want to potentially get my family sick. 
It kills me inside to hear my daughter's tiny feet tip-tapping outside my door because she heard a sound coming from the room. I hate having to stay silent when she comes by because if she knew I were home and I'm not playing with her, she would be so upset. I feel bad that my wife has to bear the weight of parenting our young child right now alone. If you had to be isolated from your loved ones, how would you react? I was supposed to do a wedding last weekend and I keep thinking about the joy and the excitement that they once had when they were able to first set a date in the calendars and, and set that date in their hearts when they would get married. And then the months and months that followed of stressful planning and decision making and meetings with this vendor and meetings with that vendor and putting deposits here and shelling out money there just to have to tell their friends and family that the wedding is off that the reception is off until further notice because of this coronavirus and that they would have to scale it down to a 10-person family-only wedding in an apartment. Then to have to decide just a few days before the actual day to, to not even have it all, at all because that, even that was too much of a health risk. If one of the biggest days of your life was canceled, how would you react? See guys, life will have its disappointments and when we're disappointed, some of us will look to someone to blame. And for some of us, the temptation is to react like many of the Jews did during that Passion Week. That they were there, there on that Palm Sunday and, and by Friday they're cursing Jesus. Some of us are tempted to turn our praises into curses from waving palms in the air to shaking our fists at the heavens. I want to declare to you, church, that Jesus came on that Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. He came as king. And on this Palm Sunday, he is still king. He is still the king on the throne. If you've had filled expectations lately and you're going through some disappointment, and you feel a little disillusioned about Jesus right about now, I hope you've been disillusioned for good. And you know, when you think about that word disillusion, in its original meaning, if you look at the etymology of that word, the origins of it, it's actually not a bad word. To be disillusioned is to be separated from an illusion. An illusion is literally something that's, uh, it's a false belief. It's something that's not real. So if we can be disillusioned and separated from a false belief, that's not a bad thing. I realize that sometimes our disappointments in life actually can bring us to a healthy disillusionment of Jesus. Because if we, if we came to believe at some point that Jesus is supposed to be some kind of king who exists to serve us according to our will and our wants and our dreams and our desires to give us success and to give us profit, then I, then I want to say that's an illusion. That's an illusion. That is not the kind of king Jesus came to be. That's not what his kingdom looks like. In fact, that looks a lot like your kingdom, right? Where you serve as king and Christ exists as if he exists just to serve you and your kingdom. That's an illusion. 
And if God can use disappointment in our life to disillusion us, then that is the grace of God upon you. That is, that is our good Father lovingly bringing you back to a right perspective of His kingship and His kingdom. See, Christ is not a king who has come to serve you according to your will. He is a king who has come to serve you according to His will. And He wants to serve you to, to the purposes that He intends for you that are good and perfect. See, Mark 10, 45 tells us this, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. His will is to serve you, and the best way He knows how is to lay down His life to give you life. And not just life, but life abundantly. And that happens when when you and I live in His kingdom, where Jesus is the true king of our hearts. And that life he has for you may not match up with your visions that you have for yourself and how success is supposed to come and how your vacations were supposed to take place and the paycheck that you're supposed to receive and and the health that you consider ideal. That may not always match up with what God's perfect will and purpose is for you. But you have to understand that Christ is king and that our king is for you and he's not against you that he did come to give you life and life abundantly and so i want to ask do you trust jesus like will you praise him still even when life doesn't seem to be going as expected you know 2020 was supposed to be the year for so many people and churches and organizations everybody's slogan was 2020 the year of vision right? It was supposed to be the the year of 2020 clarity and and, and purpose and mission and, and goals. But just a few months into 2020, that vision that so many people once had just seems so blurry now. And the clarity seems to be nothing more than confusion. I want to say, you know what's amazing? You know what privilege we have about living in 2020? Here's the amazing privilege we have. In 2020, we have perspective. We can see clearly, not, maybe not what lies ahead, but we can see clearly and we have perspective of what has already happened, right? Because hindsight is 2020. And here in 2020, we know what happened. We know what happened five days after that Palm Sunday. We know that just five days later on Friday, Christ hung on the cross to save us, to deliver us from our sins when he paid for it on the cross. And we know what happened just three days after the cross. We know that light broke through the darkness. Jesus conquered the grave. We know he purchased for us life and life eternal. Uh, If I could go back to that first Palm Sunday, knowing what I know now, knowing what had happened later that week. I wish I could go back and meet those people on the road and tell them on that first Palm Sunday, I would tell them, hey, keep your palms up. Don't put your palm branches down. Keep them up. Keep praising Him. Keep walking with Him. Walk with Him all the way to the cross. 
Even though it may not make sense right now, even though you feel like you've been disappointed, even if your expectations haven't been met, keep walking. Hold tight because I promise you, Jesus is king and you will not be disappointed if you keep walking with him to the cross and just wait at the cross. I promise you, you're going to see light break through the darkness. You're going to see power and you're going to see victory and you're going to see glory. That's, that's what I would tell him if I could just go back and meet them on the road that first Palm Sunday. I wish I could go back, but the reality is I, I can't. But here's what I can do. I can proclaim to you, friends. I can proclaim to you, church, on this Palm Sunday. I can proclaim to you, keep your palms up. Don't you dare put those palms down. Keep praising him. Keep walking with him. Keep walking with him all the way to the cross. Even if your life right now isn't making any sense, even when your plans have been destroyed, even if you feel utter disappointment right now because your income isn't coming as expected, even when that relationship didn't pan out the way you had hoped, even when your year looks 180 degrees different from what you had expected, even if you get sick, even if you get laid off from your job, even if you get stripped from the things that you once enjoyed so much, I want to say, keep your palms up. Keep walking with him. Keep waiting for him there at the cross because I promise you, you will see light break through the darkness. You will see power, victory, and glory because you're going to see his purposes and his will revealed in your life because Jesus is still king. Jesus is king. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and just watch what unfolds in your life. See, so guys, he didn't come to meet your expectations. He came to far exceed your expectations. He came not just to give you life, but to give you life abundantly. So church, don't you dare put down your palms. Keep those palms up. And let us keep praising and singing Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the King. Amen. I'm going to pray for you guys. And as I have my palms up, if you feel comfortable where you are, I encourage you, just put your palms up. And I just want to pray over you right now. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for that story 2,000 years ago of Palm Sunday when people recognized you as King. But I pray, Lord, for every man and woman, for every brother and sister, for every friend, for every child listening to this message right now, Lord, that we would see the relevance in this story, even today. Lord, that we wouldn't make the mistake of putting our palms down and turning our hands in the air into fists shaking at the heavens. I pray that we would keep worshiping you and trusting you. I pray that we would keep walking with you and waiting for you because we trust you are king and we declare you do hold the world in your hands and you hold our lives in your hands and we pray that you will show us light through the darkness we pray we will see your power and your victory and your glory unfold in our lives so help us God help us to keep trusting in you 
Help us to daily seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And Lord, we pray that you would supply everything that we need to experience life and life abundantly. Thank you so much, God. Thank you for Christ our King. We worship you and honor you with all our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.